Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast, where you will learn how to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around and operate mobile home parks. And now, here is your host, the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States, Frank Rolf. Traditionally, apartments sit on a slab foundation or maybe a pier and beam. But some people believe that an apartment can also sit on the metal chassis of a trailer. This is Frank Rolf, the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. We're going to be talking about the mobile home park concept of the detached apartment. What it is, what it means, what the problems can be, and when it might actually be appropriate. Now, what is the mobile home park variant of apartments known as the detached apartment? Well, What it stems to is when you have a mobile home park with mobile homes in it where the mobile homes are owned by the mobile home park, but the valuations are treated differently than a standard mobile home park would be. You see, most mobile home parks are all about a parking lot, the concept of renting land. So when we look at a mobile home park and do our valuations, the only income we use is the real property income. And the real property in a mobile home park is either the land which you rent from mobile homes, or maybe it's mom and pop's old stick-built home, or maybe mom and pop's old industrial building, or maybe some self-storages they have. But it's all real property, as we all know what that means. It's very clearly defined. But some owners want to also then say that their mobile homes, the park-owned homes that they own and rent out, that those are also or should be treated as real property. And that's what causes the problem is that most of us have been classically trained that you can't count the park-owned home income. You can only count the land income in your overall valuation and your cap rate. So let's look at that. Let's model that for a moment. Let's assume a mobile home rents inside of a mobile home park for $800 per month. And let's assume that the underlying lot rent is $400 a month. The way we would look at the value, the way our lenders would, the appraisers, most everyone in the industry would, would be in that transaction where the resident pays $800 each month Only 400 of that can be counted towards the actual income of the property, the income that is then capped to come up with the value. But that leaves still $400 laying on the table. Now, I would say from 25 years of experience, you're not going to make much money even with that $400 laying on the table. You have to pay the taxes, you have to pay the insurance, and most importantly, you have to pay repair and maintenance. Now, repair and maintenance on some homes can run as much as $200 a month. So if you assume for the taxes and the insurance another 50, you're only netting $150 after repair and maintenance tax and insurance. And that does not even include such items as advertising or any commissions you have to give to anyone to rent that home. So it's got very, very low margins. However, some would say, nevertheless, they feel that whatever income that derives, if it's only 100 a month or 150 a month or 200 a month, that should be capped the same as the land. And that's just not how the industry has been treated from the beginning. You normally do not put any value on the home. So why is that a problem? Why do we all fight back against valuing the park-owned home income over and above the lot rent? The main problem is that a mobile home is just personal property, the same as a car. Subject to depreciation, It does wear out eventually, although if you maintain it, it can last for a very, very long period of time. But it's simply just not a part of the business model that everyone has adopted over the last half century. 
So effectively, when you want to count your home income, be advised that there are very few people who will agree with you and who will go with that. In fact, I don't know of any lenders that will. I don't really know of any appraisers that will. But you may be able to find somebody out there who's more unsophisticated who may say, oh, yes, that home rent is the same as the lot rent. You know, one key reason that there's a problem is that let's assume I cap that home rent portion. Let's assume that the home after paying the lot rent, taxes, insurance, repair and maintenance, nets $200 a month. That would give you $2,400 a year. At a 10 cap, that would be $24,000 evaluation. However, I can replace that mobile home with a different mobile home for a value of maybe eight or $9,000 if it's an older home. And additionally, I can sell the home for that. So why am I paying $24,000 again for a home that is only valued at $9,000? Therein lies the issue. When you go buy a car that was run through the Hertz rental car fleet, it's sold to you as the value of the car. It's not sold to you as a value of the income stream of those payments from Hertz rent a car. So it just gets really odd when you're trying to put extra value on something that I can replace for a fraction of that amount. That is really the key issue. And that's why the appraisers and the bankers and everybody else will not allow you to use that park on home income. So well, can you? When might it ever be appropriate? Well, I'll give you some situations when it might be appropriate to try and approach the mobile home park as a detached apartment complex. Issue number one when the park is really, really small. Let's assume you're looking at a mobile home park that has only 10 lots to it. Now, 10 lots at a lot rent of, let's say, $300 a month would be $3,000 a month, but you take out expenses, and it's probably 50% in this case. So I'm gonna leave you about $18,000 a year of income, a value of about $180,000. And there's not a lot of people out there wanting to buy mobile home parks in that price range. But let's instead convert this now to a 10-unit detached apartment complex. Let's assume I can rent those units for $700 a month. Now I have $7,000 a month of revenue, $84,000 of revenue. I take in half expense ratio, and now I'm a $40,000 thing with a value of $400,000. Now we've reached more of a critical mass where investors are interested. So I often see smaller parks that I think to myself, you know, if I had that small park, maybe what I would do is go the detached apartment model because that's maybe the only way you can ever scale it enough to make it interesting to another investor. There's a property like that, not far from me, about 30 minutes down the highway. I drive by it frequently. Then the guy did that very model. It's a small mobile home park and he lives in a stick-built home at the front and he painted all the homes the same color and he's landscaped them and it looks kind of like apartment complex, only obviously every unit is spread out, distanced to about 10 feet apart. But I think he does okay with it. I rarely see a mobile home for rent sign out in front, so I think it stays pretty much full. And I'm pretty confident that's why he kept it that way. There's no money in that mobile home park if he were to sell those homes off and just get the lot rent. So I think he decided that if he was going to be in the business and messing with that small park, that he wanted to have enough critical mass to make it seem worthwhile. The other time you might want to do the detached apartment model is when the lot rents are staggeringly low. And in parts of America, you'll find lot rents that go as low as $100 a month or even lower. I've seen mobile home parks myself in Mississippi where the lot rents were only $75 per month. However, the homes can rent often in those same markets for seven dollars or $800 a month. 
So in that case, if you were to sell the home off and keep just the lot rent, there's simply not enough money there to make it worthwhile to even be in the mobile home park business. That's why there's so few institutional owners in some of those states, simply because there doesn't seem to be any money. And it's the same amount of effort to own and operate a mobile home park in a state like Ohio, where the lot rents are around $400 a month, than a state like Mississippi, where the lot rents may only be $75 to $100 a month. As a result, people say, well, if I'm going to be in the mobile home park business, if I'm going to buy that 60-space mobile home park in Mississippi, there's no way I'm going to do it if I have to get $75 a month. I'm going to go the detached apartment model because, therefore, I'll be getting seven or $800 a month in total revenue. Also remember that a lot of the way that we all look down upon the park-owned home rent portion is because our lot rents are so substantial. If you take a park in a state like Mississippi with very low rents and you look at where your costs go, when you're only having to allocate $100 a month to lot rent as opposed to $400 in most other states, now suddenly that's a much smaller piece of the pie when you're renting the home for seven or $800 a month. So now it would appear that your margins are better and you'd be correct. There's probably far more money in the tax apartment model in states with low lot rents than there would be in the mobile home park model itself. Now, the problem is, even if you adopt that, I have to always warn you, it will be very, very hard to have any form of liquidity because most buyers will not agree with you. Most appraisers will not agree with you, nor will most lenders. And so you may not be able to ever find anyone who can buy the property from you because they just can't find anyone who would make a loan, even if they liked that business model. You might therefore end up having to either keep that business model forever, generationally, or to sell it, you might have to carry the financing on it. Not that that's the end of the world. Some people like to carry financing. Some people would like to keep an asset going through the generations. And if that's the case, then that's great. But that's always going to be at the back of your mind. One of the big problems with the detached apartment model is simply liquidity, finding other people that embrace the model. I know someone who embraced the model in a big, big way. He has a mobile home park down in Alabama and he's got about 100 lots and every single unit in there is a rental and he looks at it as a detached apartment complex. It's really not a bad deal at all for him. He does his own construction. He's a contractor by trade, and so he does all the remodeling himself, and he acknowledges it's, it's something he can never sell because nobody else in the world would ever want to buy it. No one would want to go in and self-manage it and do all the restoration themselves. So as a result, he's just going to stick with it till the end of time and just pass it down through the family. If that's your decision, that's great. But again, most mobile home park owners are more passive. They like the idea of liquidity to be able to finance and refinance. That's one of the big drawbacks of the detached apartment model is it doesn't typically give you that flexibility. This is Frank Roth with the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast talking about detached apartments. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. Be sure to visit us at mhpmastery.com to subscribe to the show read our show transcriptions, and access all of our great information on mobile home park investing.